You're listening to the Central City Assembly Podcast. We're dedicated to sharing content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus for the good of our city and helps you grow in your love for him. We pray this episode blesses you, impacts you, and fills you with kingdom purpose. I think we can learn a lot about prayer by looking at our interactions on Facebook and social media. Now, I know Facebook is both good in some respects, but also pretty terrible in others. I mean, I I personally have a love-hate relationship with Facebook and social media in general. I see its benefits, but I also see its negative effects on society. But I think how we interact with people on Facebook uh, has an interesting connection or could have a connection with how we interact with God through prayer. What do I mean? Well, there are some people on Facebook who I would consider real friends and some who are just Facebook friends. The real friends are people who I actually talk to on a regular basis, not not just on Facebook. The people who I see face to face, I go to their houses, I share meals with them. We are in community and real relationship. If you are on Facebook, then you probably have people on your friends list who are like that. But there are also people on Facebook who are just Facebook friends. Maybe I met them once and had a conversation with them, and then after the fact, they looked me up or I looked them up and we became Facebook friends. You know, I I don't see them on a regular basis, if ever. I don't really know them other than what I see on Facebook, which, let's be honest, doesn't mean a whole lot. Uh, we are not in community or real relationship. Again, you probably have people like this on your friends list if you're on social media. And for me, when I see posts from just Facebook friends, I might like the post, or now I, I like using the little caring emoji a lot, right? That little smiley face hugging a heart, it's so adorbs. Uh, but I don't really comment on their posts or engage any further with them. For the most part, what they post has little impact on me and my life. I just keep scrolling. And honestly, uh, I ignore most of what my just Facebook friends post. Okay, don't judge me. You do the same thing. That's what I would call digital friending. But when I see posts from my real friends, I'm more inclined to engage with them. I take a moment to actually read what they wrote and I think about their remarks. I might comment on their post or send them a message through Messenger. If I have their phone number, you know what, I might even call or text them. Or if I'm going to see them soon face to face, I might talk about their post with them to get more information and understanding. And the reason I'm more inclined to engage in this way is because I have a personal investment in their lives and they have a personal investment in mine outside of Facebook. We are real friends in real community and we care about each other. One might even say we love each other. Real friendship cannot be contained within the confines of social media. It goes beyond digital interaction to that analog, personal, physical, face-to-face interaction. That's what real friending looks like. Real friending is deeper than digital friending. And so what does all of this have to do with prayer? 
Well, I think when it comes to engaging with God, some people are on that digital friending level. They met God. They've had conversations at times with him, but maybe they usually feel just one-sided. They thumbs up, they heart, they care emoji, his words that they agree with, and maybe they just ignore the ones they don't. But for the most part, they just keep scrolling along. God's words don't have a real impact on their lives. And what would lead someone to not want to engage with God on a deeper level? I think it's because they don't view God as a real friend, a friend that they are in real relationship and community with. Because just like relationship and community drives real friendship with people, the same is true for real friendship with God. You know, I can easily ignore and not engage with a digital friend, but I can't do that with a real friend. And the same is true depending on how you view God. And when it comes to prayer and being practiced and effective in prayer, what it really comes down to is your view of God. Is he more like a digital Facebook friend or is he a real friend with whom you have real relationship and community? And that's what we're going to explore today. And so the title of today's message is Friending God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much that you are with us right now. You're with us in our homes, wherever we're gathered. Um, Even if it's just us uh, in front of a screen, God, we know um, that our, our friendship with you, God, our relationship with you goes so much deeper than that. And God, I I pray that as we go through this message, as we talk about prayer, as we talk about um, friending you, God, I I pray that that would just become real to us. God, I pray that we'd be able to see you as a real friend, a real companion in our lives. And God, I pray that that would spur conversation with you, prayer with you. So God, would you lead us in your word, guide us, uh, show us who you are, and draw us closer to you during this time. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so uh, just a reminder. We are in our home church series, and we're learning how the church, the body of Christ, continues to thrive when it can't gather together as the church. And honestly, most of what happens during our church gatherings should also be happening in our homes. What happens at church gatherings, reading God's word, praying, Worshiping, serving others should not be our primary method of engaging in those things. What happens at church should be in addition to what we already do in our homes. And what God does in our church gatherings should be on top of what's already happening in our homes. And so we're going back to the basics in a way, and we're shifting the scenery of where and how spiritual growth happens. Last week, we talked about savoring scripture, that instead of having a a scarfing mindset towards scripture, we should have a savoring mindset. I suggested that, that reading, knowing, and living out scripture leads to more transformation than any other spiritual practice. Because prayer, worship, and acts of service, and so on, that are not rooted in scripture, they're powerless. And also, It is through scripture that we get to know who God really is, what he's done for us, which influences who we are and how 
we should live. I also shared the, the SOAP method, the, the tool you can use to help you savor scripture more. Uh, and if you missed the message, I, I would encourage you, go to our website and check it out. It's all right there for you. But scripture is the foundation for transformation. And when we have a grasp of scripture, and if we really want to live out what God tells us in it, then this should naturally lead us into the other spiritual practices of prayer, worship, serving others, and so on. Because no one wakes up one day thinking and knowing, I should talk to God. I should worship. I should serve others. All of those things are informed by God's words, his instruction, and through the examples of godly men and women we read about in the scriptures. And you can't read the Bible and learn about what life with God looks like without also reading about prayer. Prayer is everywhere in the Bible. Because key people in the Bible are always talking and communicating with God. Prayer in the Bible is portrayed as the simple and natural everyday part of life for those who believe in God. And Moses seemed to have constant communication and interaction with God. He definitely wins the Talking with God award in the Bible. Uh, Jesus often snuck away from the disciples to be alone with and, and to communicate with God. And what we see from the examples of people in the Bible is that prayer actually led to something good for them. God answered prayer. God provided through prayer. God uh, led to abundant life for people through prayer. It even says that the prayers of some people changed God's mind. That, that's incredible to me. And not only do we see prayer so regularly and effectively in the Bible, its authors instruct us, the readers, to communicate with God regularly in our everyday lives. Which the basic understanding of prayer is simply communicating with God. I'm sure you've heard that before. We are told to pray without ceasing, to pray confidently to God, to pray and that whatever we ask in prayer in Jesus' name will be granted to us. Easy peasy, right? But if prayer seems so regular and simple and effective in the Bible, why does prayer seem less regular and less simple and less effective in our everyday lives? Why do so many Christians confess to having a lackluster prayer life? I'll admit, like I did last week about scripture, sometimes prayer feels more like an inconvenience than it does a benefit to me. When I hear of spiritual greats like Martin Luther and John Wesley, who each started their days with at least two hours of prayer, I'm like, are you kidding me? Did these guys have kids? Parents know what I'm talking about. Did these guys have errands to run and things to fix around the house? I mean, they probably didn't have three different shows to catch up on between Netflix, Hulu, and Disney+. So where is the disconnect? Why does prayer seem so easy and regular and effective in the Bible, but not so much in our own lives? Well, I think the difference between these people in the Bible and for us in our lives is this idea of friending God. Because I think for the people in the Bible that we look up to, their motivation for prayer wasn't so much about getting from God or, or to know what God's will or direction for their lives was or because of mere religious obligation. 
but it was more simply about getting to know God as their heavenly father, as their friend, and to become more like his son, Jesus. In his book, Hearing God, uh, Dallas Willard talks about how if a pastor were to host several different classes at his or her church throughout the week, and one of them, out of like 20, was about prayer and knowing God's will through prayer, then that class would have far more people signed up than the other 19 classes. Uh, Dallas Dallas Willard says in his book, but a self-defeating motive is at work here. Seeking to know the future causes people to take these classes and workshops over and over without coming to peace about their place in the will of God. I fear that many people seek to hear God or pray to God solely as a device for obtaining their own safety, comfort, and sense of being righteous. For those who busy themselves to know the will of God, however, it is still true that those who want to save their life will lose it. And that's quoted from Matthew 16, 25. He continues, My extreme preoccupation with knowing God's will for me may only indicate, contrary to what is often thought, that I am over-concerned with myself and not a Christ-like interest in the well-being of others or in the glory of God, end quote. So when it comes to prayer and our desire to pray as the scriptures instruct us, I think we first have to ask, what is our motivation for praying? What are we after? I'm not saying it's wrong to ask for things in prayer or to ask for God's will for your life, but should that be our starting point for prayer? I think for many in the church, it is. Communication with God to get from God or out of religious obligation to God is oftentimes the starting point for many people. But I believe God wants to move us to a deeper understanding of prayer. He wants to move us from simple communication with God to profound communion with God. Think about that for a moment. What is the difference between communication and communion? Both words have similar Latin origins, but they are obviously different. Communication is about the relay and transfer of information. And I can communicate with all kinds of people in many different ways. I can walk by a complete stranger and communicate with them if I choose to do so. I can dial a random phone number and start communicating with someone no problem. Might be fun. Now, whether they would want or like that is a different story. Computers, robots, and the like, which are lifeless, can communicate with each other. Communication isn't that difficult. But what about communion? Now, I'm not talking about the bread and juice we take together on Sundays. I'm talking about the typical first definition of the word you read in a dictionary. Communion is the sharing or exchanging of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially when the exchange is on a mental or spiritual level. So, get this, all communion is communication, but not all communication is communion. The way I communicate with my Alexa device is not the same way that I communicate with my wife, right? One is communication, the other is deeper, it's communion. 
The transfer and exchange of intimate thoughts and feelings, especially on a mental and spiritual level. And get this, when I develop and cultivate communion with someone, it leads me to want to communicate with them more. And the same is true for you. Now, as you know, I'm not the most extroverted person. Uh, I tend to be more quiet and reserved, especially in, in public settings. And if you sit me next to a complete stranger, like on a bus or something, I will more than likely just keep to myself. But let's say I have to sit next to a complete stranger at a wedding reception. Uh, it would be pretty awkward for me to just sit in silence and not interact and engage with the people at my table. So I'll engage, but it will be limited. And in my experience, there always comes a point during this reception and when you're with people around you, when everyone just kind of runs out of things to talk about. Sometimes you'll be seated with someone who doesn't care who they're with and they'll, you know, talk about whatever. Those are special people, but I am not one of them and most people aren't. So usually there will be just a lull in conversation that gets a little awkward. And everyone is like, man, okay, let's, let's get the dancing started. Can we cut the cake already? And that's the way basic communication often works. It oftentimes has a limit, but communion is limitless. And even though I'm an introvert, guess what? If you sit me all alone in a room with my wife, hubba hubba, right? We can talk forever about whatever because we aren't seeking just communication. We are seeking communion with each other, a deeper mental and spiritual connection. And I think many spouses have that kind of communication with each other. Or if you aren't married, then you probably have that friend or family member in your life that you can just talk forever about whatever. You don't want to just exchange information with them. You want to exchange intimate thoughts and feelings on a mental and spiritual level. And when you develop and cultivate communion with someone, it actually makes you want to communicate more with that person. And the same is true when it comes to prayer, communicating with God. God doesn't just want to transfer information back and forth with you. He wants to exchange intimate thoughts and feelings on a mental and spiritual level. He wants communion. He wants friendship with us as his sons and daughters. And Jesus modeled this perfectly for us in his own life. And Jesus says in John chapter 15, verses 13 says, through 15. He says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. No longer do I call you servants, for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends. For all that I have heard from my father, I have made known to you. Communication with God is one thing, but communion with God is something deeper and it's something real that we can have with God. We truly can call him our friend. And so how do we cultivate communion with God? Well, it does start with communication for sure. We have to communicate, talk with God. But again, for what purpose and what do you talk about? I mean, if our purpose is to commune with God and know him and friend God, then we need a starting point for that. 
What are you going to talk about? And that's why scripture is foundational and so important, especially for prayer. Because when we read in scripture that that God is all powerful, in a way, yes, that is transfer of knowledge and information. God is communicating something to us through his scriptures. But when we take his words and, and scripture and we turn it back to God and we say in prayer, God, I want to know more about how powerful you are. Then we move beyond communication into communion. When we read in scripture that God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever would believe in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Yes, that is transfer of information. But when we return that scripture back to God and say, what does that say about who you are, God, and who I am? When that happens, you move from simple communication into communion with God. And in that communion, you discover that God is loving. And if God would do something for me that is loving, like sending his son to die for me, then that means I am loved by him and he is worthy to be loved by me. And so the best way to cultivate communion, the best way to friend God is by talking about the word of God with God and allowing him to illuminate in your heart and mind who he is and what that means about you. And the SOAP method that I talked about last week uh, of reading scripture, uh, it is a great way to cultivate communion with God. But I know people are different and they they do things differently. So uh, I want to share another method for cultivating communion with God through scripture and prayer. Uh, And it's based on four simple words. They are read, reflect, respond, and rest. And we'll call it the four R's method. And instead of just telling you how to use the four R's method, I actually want to practice it with you right now and take you through the method, if that's all right. Uh, I went through this practice on my own recently, and it was profound. It was more profound than I even expected it to be. Um, God spoke to me in in a way, in an interesting way that I I didn't expect and illuminated something about him and something about me and the current season of life that I'm in. And I was even reading a really bizarre passage, but, but God, I trusted him with it in this process, in this method, and he spoke to me. And so I want to take you through this method and I don't want you to dismiss it. I really want you to engage right now. I really want you to expect God to speak to you in this moment. So what I'm going to do is the first R, which is read. I'm going to read a passage, a short passage of scripture. But before I do it, I want you to take a couple of deep breaths and prepare your heart and mind to receive and hear from God. Because we often forget when we read scripture is that God is actually talking to us. Communication and communion is happening when we engage scripture. So go ahead, take a couple of deep breaths. Maybe close your eyes and prepare to hear and receive from God. And now I'll read from John chapter 10, verses 7 through 18, which say, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. 
If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. And now that I read it once, and you kind of know what the passage says and what it's about, I'm going to read it again. But this time, as I read it, I want you to listen for a word or phrase, a detail or special moment in the passage that sticks out to you. Or listen for a moment in the passage where you find yourself. Maybe you you relate to a person. Maybe it's the hired hand, the thief, or, or even the shepherd. Or it might sound silly, but maybe you relate to an object or an action in the passage. The sheep, the gate, the wolf. All right, it's not silly if that sticks out to you. Just go with it and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you through it. Whatever it is, don't choose it for yourself. Let the Spirit bring it to you even if you don't like it, and try and welcome in humility and meekness whatever it is the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. So here's the passage again. It says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, He will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me, because I lay down my life, that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. 
And so now we move on to the second R, which is reflect. And this is where you're going to reflect on that word or phrase that stood out to you. Why do you think those words resonated with you? Reflect on the the who or what you found yourself to be in the passage. How does it feel to be this person or object? What are you drawn to in the passage? What are you thinking or feeling about God? And so let's take a few moments and really reflect and then ask God, how does this connect with my life today? What do I need to do or be? And now let's go through the third R, which is respond. And now I'm I'm going to read the passage one last time. And when I'm done, I want you to talk to God, respond to God about what you think the Spirit might have said to you or what came to you. And pray in whatever way you are led. You know, you might thank God for something or ask God for something or, or ask him to give you more clarity about what stuck out to you. But just be led in prayer. Communicate with God for the purpose of achieving communion with God. So one last time, the passage says, So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the father knows me and I know the father and I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason, the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down, and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my Father. Finally, 
The last of the four R's is rest. Again, do as you are led. You may wish to just wait on God, to simply be with God in this moment. You may wish to pay attention to God, pondering especially how did God seem in the passage? Or what about God in this passage makes you want to worship him, be with him, or know more about him? Sit and rest in the companionship and communion with God. So not only is the 4Rs method a great way to read scripture, but it's also a great way to pray scripture and cultivate communion with God. And I believe you truly will move beyond just communication with God and enter into deeper communion with God if you read and pray scripture in this way or, or in the different methods that are out there. A real friendship will begin to build between you and God. And you know what? You will want to communicate and pray with him more and on a regular basis. But one more thing will also happen when you pray for the purpose of communion with God. Because communion with God always leads to union with God. In one of Jesus' final prayers before going to the cross Jesus prayed in John chapter 17, verses 20 through 23. I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. The glory that you have given me, I have given to them that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one, so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. And so who is God to you? Is God more like just a Facebook friend to you, that digital friend, or do you desire true friendship and communion with God? If you struggle with prayer, I would ask you to consider your motivation for prayer. Do you pray just to get or simply out of religious obligation? Or do you pray to really know God and become more like his son, Jesus? Today, God is inviting us into deeper relationship with him through prayer. God wants to move our prayers from mere communication into profound communion and ultimately union with him. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that your word, your scripture does not go out and have no effect. God, your word is always working. It's always moving. And God, we thank you that in reading your word, you're also communicating with us and you're also trying to establish communion with us. 
And God, as we think about this message and, and your scripture and the words, God, I pray that you would help us to move from mere communication into profound communion and ultimately union with you. God, help us to desire communion with you because I know that that's just gonna fuel our desire to wanna communicate with you. Father, help us to see that through the examples in the Bible, through Jesus himself, it is possible to have a friend relationship with you. It is possible to friend you, God. And God, where we need renewal of our minds, where we need repentance changing our minds, God, I pray that you would do that work in us, that we wouldn't just talk to you out of obligation or because we just want to get from you, but because we want to establish communion with you. Would you do that work in us today? And God, I believe that as we savor the scriptures, as we friend you, God, through praying and through praying the scriptures, I believe that transformation will come for all of us. God, we, we just want more of you. In every season, in every situation, we want more of you, God. So would you grant that desire for us? Bless us, God, as we bless you. We say all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. And so we, again, want to just make sure you have the opportunity in your homes with the people that you're gathered with uh, to take advantage of this time to really discuss what we just talked about. We don't really have that opportunity on Sunday mornings uh, when we're gathered together at the church, but what a great opportunity uh, to share your life with the people that you're with right now, uh, to cultivate some communion with your church family and friends that are with you. So here are some questions that I'd love for you guys to discuss. I'll put them on the screen, uh, take a picture of them, uh, write them down, but then after the live stream, would you go ahead and talk about these questions uh, with whoever you're with this morning? So question number one, what is your biggest struggle when it comes to prayer. Number two, how has your view of God influenced your approach to prayer? Number three, what steps can you take this week to friend God and cultivate communion with him? And number four, what do you think union with God looks like? Thank you for listening. If you are blessed by this episode and would like to help us create more content that magnifies and multiplies Jesus, would you consider giving a financial gift of any amount today? Whatever you give will go towards building the kingdom of God in the lives of people all over the world. Thank you for your support, and we pray many blessings over you.